I had the, uh, the dubious pleasure of planning my grandma's funeral with her last Saturday. Uh, she was 93 on Monday, and, uh, and last week it didn't look like she was going to make 94. And it was tough. But, um, but I got to, to sit with her and, and plan um, her funeral. We talked about the things that she would like and the things that she wouldn't like. Uh, I think the nine hymns that she's chosen and the, the five or six readings that she's chosen, it's possibly going to be the longest uh, funeral in history. Um, <laughs> But it was nice. It was nice talking to her. And her faith is just so strong. She loves the Lord so dearly. But I asked her, what do you want me to wear, Grandma? What do you want me to wear at your funeral? She's one of these ladies. and She's 93, so it's everything just so. I said, so what would you like me to wear? Because I would normally wear a suit to a wedding like I did yesterday or to a funeral. But if you want me to wear a dog collar, I can. She's been in a Baptist church for 86 years. So I said, if you want me to wear a, a dog collar, I can do. She said, oh, wear what you like. I said, Grandma, that means jeans and T-shirt to me. Are you sure that's what you want me to wear? She said, oh, you know what I mean. She said, you know what I mean. When we come to church, we bring our best. We always bring our best for Jesus. And, I, and we talked about clothing. I said, yeah, I understand that, Grandma. I said, I get that. But I said, in, I said, in our church, I said, there will be people. I said, next week, that will be in a three-piece suit. There will be people in a suit and tie. I look, and I see Gordon. He's always so finely turned out. And others are in shirts and ties. And it looks fantastic. And they bring their best for God. But I said, but then I could look around. And I look up to the youth. And I, and I look, I'm not looking down at you guys at all. My wife does the same. You think, you know, they've got ripped jeans on and trainers and T-shirts. with, And she's like, yes, I know. I know. I said, but the thing is, Grandma, I said, just some of the trainers that these guys wear are, are worth more than a three-piece suit. I said, the thing is, the way they look, the way they're trainers, the way they rip jeans, their teeth, I said, it, it's crafted. Their hair, they look their best. They come to church looking their best. And we got onto a conversation about what it actually means to bring our best. And we started to talk about heart and the condition of our heart and what that looks like, what matters to God. How we present ourselves, does that matter to him? Perhaps these things don't matter, but this thing does. How we present ourselves, how we come into the presence of God. It is about bringing our best, but it's on the inside is where our best is found. And his presence, when we come into his presence, as we have done clearly this morning, it should matter to us. You know, I was tempted to wear a Grinch jumper this morning to prove the point that God is just glad that I'm here. He's just glad that we're in his presence this morning. Do you see it? More seriously, in our home, I am known as a Grinch. I am a real, real Grinch. I moan about everything. I don't really enjoy what Chris has become for a long time. And this is, this is not a guilt thing. This is a me thing. And I've, I've not really enjoyed it. You know, and I moan about everything. I moan about when the tree comes down early. And I'm talking October. But I moan about it. I moan about tripping over Christmas presents that are lying around. I moan about it. I moan about having to move the furniture to make room for the tree and to make room for that. I moan about it. It, it really bothers me what has happened to Christmas. I drive the kids to school in the morning and there's this, this jingle that comes on at the moment and I'm not going to sing it for you. But it just riles me and I have to turn it off there and then. It, it's just like, what is, what is going on? But God challenged me in that and, um, and I, <laughs> he really did. And he said, what are, you, what are you worried about? You stood there judging 
people and the way they approach Christmas. And I'm not talking about you guys. You know what I mean. I'm talking about the corporate world and, and what they've done with Christmas. And it really bothers me. And he says, but you allow that to get you angry. And you allow yourself to become judgmental and, and angry. So you, you're kind of stepping away. You know, and excuse the puns this morning, but you're stepping away from the presents. You're stepping away from the Christmas presents. But then what? What are you going to do about it? You're having a good moan. You don't like Christmas. You don't like what it's become. But what are you going to do about it? There's an option here, Paul. If you don't want to get involved in those presents, how about getting involved in my presence? How about coming after me? Because that's what Christmas is about. It's about my presence. So why don't you come after me? You have a good moan about the way things are. But what are you going to do? about it how are you going to change things you know last week we had a a picture we had a few words but we had a picture of of Jesus trying to push Christmas presents to one side so that we could get to him and that he could get to us that he wanted us in his presence now don't just see Christmas presents see distraction see stuff see busyness see things that get in the way between you and Jesus and he wanted to move those things We had a few words. We had one about Jesus having a picture of Jesus with open arms, desperate for people to come in so that he could hug them and they could be in his presence. We also had um, a word, uh, an image of the torn veil. When Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn in two, and no longer did we need a priest, no longer could we stand back, no longer did we need to sacrifice things to get to Jesus. We could just come to him. And there was this word that there are people on the outside, there are people on the periphery, and they they kind of want what they see this morning, perhaps what we've seen this morning. They're on the outside. I want to be in the presence of Jesus. I want to feel like these people feel. I want to experience what they're experiencing, but they feel they're on the periphery. Well, the, the invitation this morning I offer you, and I believe God is offering, is that he wants you in his presence. He really needs you, wants you in his presence, because in his presence is the fullness of joy. In his presence is a fullness of joy. So why would you want to be anywhere else other than in his presence? I'm going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 2 to us, and then I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to, we're going to pull it apart and have a little bit of a look at what it says to us. So Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen When it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. They opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, 
and man. So what does this passage tell us? We have worshipped God this morning. We have felt his presence amongst us, felt his Holy Spirit amongst us. We have worshipped him. This passage and others like it around Jesus' birth is all about the glory of God. It's about God with us. It's about coming to worship God and to be thankful for the gift of Jesus. But let's look at this passage a little bit deeper. These first two verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of Herod, these wise men came from the east. So these magi, these these wise men, uh, had seen a star and they were following it. And it wasn't out of curiosity. It wasn't something they weren't expecting. Their intentions were clear. They will be a king of the Jews and they will come and they will worship him is what they said. They know that this is significant. They know that this event is important. It will be world-changing. Not only do they know, sorry, not only do they not want to miss the birth, birth of a king, they want to worship him. This is special. Let me go on. When, when Herod heard about this news of this new king of the Jews, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. Well, Herod was the king of the Jews. He would be disturbed. There's a new king. There's a new king that has been born. He would be disturbed this would bother him it was going to challenge his authority and challenge his position but how many other people would be challenged by Jesus how many other people would be challenged by their authority or their authority and their position would be challenged by Jesus the people of Jerusalem also were disturbed they'd not heard from God for 400 years this gap we talk about between the end of the old testament and the beginning of the new they'd not heard for 400 years and you think 24 days of advent is a long time to wait Is it here yet? Is it here yet? 400 years. They were excited. Things were stirring. There was this talk of a Messiah, this Messiah that they'd been promised for so long. So what did Herod do? He called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked them about this, about this new king. Where is he going to be born? They said, in in Bethlehem. Interesting, it wasn't when or kind of who is it. It It was where. He wanted to know where because we know what he wanted to do. He did not want to worship Jesus. But goes on to say, but you, Bethlehem, this is the prophet, uh, sorry, this is the prophecy that comes from Micah. And it says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then this prophecy, as I said, came from Micah. And it not only tells us where Jesus will be born, but it points to the fact that God can use the seemingly insignificant to achieve his purposes. This was Bethlehem. This was a backwater. Nobody really knew where it was, but out of Bethlehem would come the King of Kings. Out of Bethlehem would come the Savior of the world. Perhaps this morning you don't think that you're good enough for God's purposes. Perhaps you don't think you're good enough. God that couldn't possibly use you. But God's got a plan for everyone. God's amazing works are often achieved through the most normal of people. So perhaps that's for somebody this morning. God's calling you to do something and you don't think you're good enough. You are. Then Herod called the Magi, these wise men, secretly to find out for them at the exact time the star had appeared. How did they know? How did these Magi, these wise men, know when that this star appeared and what it meant? Well, we believe, scholars believe, that these three wise men, traditionally named as Balthazar, Melchior, and Gaspar, were descendants of a prophet called Balaam. I think that's how you pronounce it. 
Balaam. He's a prophet found in, in Numbers 24. And this was one of his prophecies at the time. He said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. So not yet. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A king will come out of the nation of Israel. It will come and it will come from a star. See, these, these wise men, they came from the east, probably Iran or Iraq in today's currency in, in our geography. And they were certainly not Jews. They were certainly not faithful to Yahweh. They were not faithful to God. And yet it was passed down to them to look out for this event, to go and worship this king when he was born. See, this tells us Jesus came for everybody. The star didn't appear to the Jews. The angel appeared to the shepherds. But the star appeared to pagans. They were virtually involved in witchcraft. Jesus came for everybody. Nobody is excluded. He came for everyone. Do you feel on the periphery this morning? Are you here because somebody invited you? Are you here because it's what you always do, but you don't really feel like you're in it? God wants you in this morning. He wants you in his presence. We read on. He sent them to Bethlehem, King Herod, and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Porcupies. He was going to kill Jesus. That's what he wanted to do. When people are threatened, they lash out. He was threatened by Jesus, but he needn't have been because Jesus came for everyone. After they heard the king, these wise men, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them. So it came nighttime again and the star appeared in the sky. Until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They knew where they were going. They knew what they were doing. They knew what was coming. And it filled them with joy. These wise men couldn't wait to get to the Messiah. They couldn't wait to get to Jesus. The enormity of what was happening was not wasted on them. They just wanted to get to Jesus. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. This baby in a manger, three wise men, they bowed down and they worshipped him. These wise men brought gifts. They were respected men in their own right. They were important people. And yet in the presence of the King of Kings, even as a baby, they bowed down and worshipped him. In the presence of God, all they could do was bow down and worship him. In the presence of God, the atmosphere changes. In the presence of God, perspective changes. Their journey, their exhaustion, their position, their gifts, all forgotten in the presence of the King of Kings, whose name was and is Jesus. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gifts were secondary. It was all about the presence. The wise men had moved, had been moved to worship in Jesus' presence. The shepherds had been praising and glorifying God after being in Jesus' presence and having seen the glory of God. If we look in Luke chapter 2, Jeff alluded to it again this morning. The, the shepherds were exposed to the glory of God when the angels turned up. But then they went and saw Jesus. And once they'd seen Jesus, they could not stop glorifying him. And telling people about him, they were amazed by him. They had been changed by the presence of God. Jesus' presence was and is a gift to us. 
an indescribable gift, the apostle Paul calls it. The grace that comes through Jesus, an indescribable gift. That grace that comes through the birth of Christ and his purpose on earth. Now in Luke 1.31 it says that this child will be called Jesus, which means God saves. In Isaiah 7 and Matthew 1 it says that this child will be called Emmanuel. God is with us. I want to tell you this morning that God is with us. Is not a new thing, and it has no tense to it. The presence of God, Emmanuel, God with us, is not just for Christmas. Although that's where we're heading, and that's when we talk about this, but it's not just for Christmas, and it's not just for Sundays. We've had a wonderful time of worship this morning. We are worshiping right now by listening to his word. We are worshiping God, and we have come into his presence. He is here. But it's not just for Sundays. I want to tell you this morning that the presence of God is with you and for you every day. Every day. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to enter into that? Well, I believe that, uh, well, we're going to come on to that in a minute, but Psalm 139, God is with us wherever we go. Emmanuel, God is with us. But then Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. The presence of God. So is it just for Sundays? Or is it every day? Do you feel it online this morning? Do you experience the presence of God online? Or is it just in the building? Is it just in a church? Or is it on the factory floor? Where is and where do we experience the presence of God? You know, do you feel it more on a Sunday? Let's be honest, we kind of do, don't we? But it's amplified. The presence of God is amplified when we're together and we're praising him together and we're worshiping together. That, that experience is amplified. You know, sometimes does it take a while to get into it on a Sunday? You know, the band starts to play and you've come and it's been pouring with rain or the kids have been winding you up or you've had your, your weekly row on a Sunday before you get to church. If, sometimes it's a bit harder, isn't it, to get into worship. It's a bit harder to, to find, experience the, the presence of God. But I wonder, is that because that's the only time we really go after it? Do we really only go after it? Do we only really press in on a Sunday? You know, maybe it's because we don't do it at home. Maybe we don't do it every day. Maybe Andy's not there with a tune. Perhaps Roy isn't there with a beat, so we can't really, you know, press into the presence of God. You know, I know the Bible says that where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there. And that's true, and that's the amplification. When we're together, when we encourage one another, the temperature rises, and we feel the presence of God together. But the presence of God is there for you individually every day of your life. It's there when we sing out of tune in the shower. It's there when we're doing the housework. When we pray on our way to work. When we thank him for all he has done and who he is. When we acknowledge his greatness in the beauty of nature. When we read his word. We experience and can experience the presence of God. See, the presence of God has always been and will always be. It is not time dependent. It just is. The presence of God. Of God. At the very beginning, before mankind, 
in Genesis is, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the Garden of Eden, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He said to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always there. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate, in human form. He was there with them, but he is here with us. He left his Holy Spirit, but truly I tell you, Jesus said, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Spirit of God resides in every believer. He is with you. He is with you today and every day. It's not just Sundays and it's not just in church. The Holy Spirit is in us. So we often long to be in God's presence. And I wonder at times, and I've been challenged with this, like I said earlier, that I wait for Sunday and I know I'm going to be in the presence of God and it's going to be great. But we can be in the presence of God every day. We often long to be in his presence. But have you ever stopped to reflect that he wants your presence He also wants your presence and my presence. He wants us with him. Why did he send this star for the pagan astronomers to follow? Why did he send it to them that were so far removed from him? He wanted them to find him so that they would experience his glory and presence. And they too would worship him and come to know him. So that they would know who he is and what he wanted to do. God with us. God with us saves he wants to be with us and save us every day not just Christmas day or Easter Sunday or any other Sunday but every day so how do we do this I know you're thinking how do we do this because I can do this in church I really feel the presence of God in church I really feel it wrap around me I really feel that you know I'd love to feel that every day so how so how do we do that well Joy shared with us this morning Psalm 100. I loved it as she read it because I'm going to read it again. (laughs) Psalm 100. I feel this is how we evoke, enter into the presence of God every day. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord or the earth. Praise him. Could you only praise him on a Sunday? Praise him every day. You know what I love about having Pastor David around the offices? is He carries the joy of the Lord with him. I'm not kidding, he'll walk in a room, he'll be singing. Or he'll walk in a room and there's nothing to say and he'll say, praise the Lord. (laughs) But it's just so true. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, he is here. I used to watch um, a medieval kind of uh, drama called The Last Kingdom. And the king's wife, King Alfred's wife, was very religious. Very religious. But often there was nothing to say. She would just say, praise him. Praise him. And I'd like to bring that back. (laughs) Praise him. You know, no matter what you're, you're facing, no matter who's cut you up, no matter how your boss has spoken to you, no matter how you've, or who you've fallen out with, praise him. Praise God. It goes on to say, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Not tuneful songs. It doesn't say that. It says joyful songs. If you can't sing, sing. Sing to him. He wants to hear your heart, not your voice. Worship the Lord with joyful songs. Come before him with gladness, worship and singing. Know that the Lord is God, it says in verse 3. Read his word. 
This is what I'm saying. Read his word. Speak out truth through scripture. You know, I'm often moved to tears when we sing truth. It's not an emotional experience. It's truth. It's the truth of scripture. When the scripture is read out and it's truth, I get moved to tears at times. Not all the time, but at times I do and I don't, I've never understood it. But it's the truth. Truth sets you free. Truth speaks to your heart. So speak out truth and feel, enjoy the presence of God as he speaks to you. It goes on to say, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Acknowledge who he is. He is your shepherd. He is the one that cares for you. He is the one that will guide you. Think about these things. Acknowledge the Lord is my shepherd. Acknowledge him. And then everybody's favorite. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Praise and thanksgiving. We've been doing it this morning. We do it in church, but when you're out and about, when you're sat with your children, when you're sat with a loved one, when you've spoken to someone on the other side of the world because you haven't been able to see them, think about how good God is. Praise him. Be thankful to him for, for nature. When we're out, Joy talks about going wild swimming. She can thank him for that if she likes. <laughs> but be thankful. Be thankful. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for who you are. You want to be in the presence of God? Thank him. Praise him. You don't need ever be alone. You don't need to face any situation on your own. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now I've got five P's here because we like these, don't we? P's and R's and, and S's. But I've got five P's here that I want to give to you to help us remember and think about how we can enter into and be in the presence of God every day, whether at home on our own, whether we are in the workplace, whether we're facing a challenging situation, wherever we are. We've talked about them, so I will not go on forever, but praise. First P, praise. Praise him. Tell him how great he is. He's the reason we're alive. He died for us so that we could be in heaven with him forever. He is amazing. Praise him. Ponder. Someone spoke about Mary pondering all these things that go on at Christmas. Angels appearing. Wise men turning up with presents. Shepherds running around the streets praising her son. But she took time to ponder these things. Think about God. Dwell on him. Think about him and how good he is. Patience. Don't rush into the presence of God. Take time to wait on him. Patience. Pause. Pause the phone. Pause the Netflix. Pause the TV. Shut the book. Shut the door. Pause. Take time. We're going to do that together in a moment. Take time to wait on God. And there are many peace, but the last one is prayer. When you talk to somebody, you're with them. Even on the phone. Even on Zoom. When you're talking to somebody, you are with them. When you pray to God, he is with you and you are with him. Pray. So praise, ponder, patience, pause, and prayer. King David was a man after God's own heart. He wrote most of the Psalms. He loved God. But could he be bad? He was disobedient. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a liar. I don't think we take all of those boxes but we've been there haven't we we're not always that great 
But he always raced back to be in the presence of God. How did he do that? He worshipped him. He confessed to him. He prayed to him. He communed. He was with God. Just read a couple of these Psalms. David says, one thing I ask from the Lord. Just one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Where is the temple today? Right here. This is a church building. The temple of the Holy Spirit is right here. Seek him in his temple. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David knew what it was to be comforted by God. He knew what it was to race into the presence of God, and so he did it regularly. When he did things wrong, when he did things right, he could not wait to be in the presence of God. So we had another picture last week of Jesus with his arms open wide, desperate for us to run into them. And I just wonder if there's someone here this morning that is still in that place that doesn't think they can come to Jesus, doesn't think they can run into those arms because, like David, they kept messing up. There's things that are, that are not quite right and you don't think you can enter into the presence of God. You don't think you can allow him to wrap his arms around you. But who of you have ever turned away a child, perhaps forever, just for being naughty, just for being bad? You can, we can't do it, can we? We can't do it. There comes a time of forgiveness. There comes a time of confession. There comes a time when we put things right and things are right. But that time perhaps for you is this morning. Put it right. Tell God how you're feeling. He is here this morning. He'll be here when you leave. He'll be here wherever you go. So are you struggling this morning? Are you struggling with the presence of God? Are you struggling with being away from it? We had another message last week and I want to wrap these up because they are pertinent to what we're saying this morning. Emma shared about the veil being torn in two. She had this sense of the veil being torn in two when Jesus died. No longer would there be sacrifices. No longer would we have to stay at a distance. No longer would we have to remain outside of the Holy of Holies. We can now commune and talk to God and experience his presence. So are you on the periphery? Are you outside? Are you looking in thinking, I want what these people have got? Have you looking on this morning? Perhaps you're online looking in thinking, so this is church. These people look so happy. Because in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. So perhaps you're on the edge and you want that joy. You want that fullness of joy. And you're on the edge. We'll come into the presence of God this morning. Ask him. You know, the presence, we talked about earlier, the presence being pushed to one side. Swap the presence for his presence. Swap the busyness for his presence. Swap all the stuff for his presence. Just five minutes, ten minutes. Get into his presence. So are you struggling, hurting, worrying? Are you desperate for God this morning? Are your circumstances troubling you? In the presence of God, circumstances are changed. Perspective is changed. Have you got a new job, maybe? He's there. New school. He's there. New relationship. He is there. New city. He's here. New church. Maybe today. He's here. New crisis in your life. He's there. Are you missing family? Have you not seen them? Are you hurting? He is there. God is there for you. 
and he is there for me and he promises to be with us forever each and every day. Now I want to take a moment this morning. We have been very effusive in our worship. That's what we do here and I love it so much. But I want us to, you may not have ever done this. It may be something you've not done for a long time. It may be something you want to try start doing. But I want us to pause in the busyness of Christmas, in the busyness of church, in just getting here, in getting to your job, your role, your rotor, getting to your seat, the busyness, the parking. I want us to just pause this morning. We're going to pause for a moment. We, we do this on Remembrance Day to remember the fallen. And we take that moment and we focus on those things and those people. I want us to focus on God this morning. Jeff said it, focus on Jesus. So this might be uncomfortable for some of you, and if it is, I apologize. But I will be praying that in the moment of quiet, that you will hear God's voice, that you will know what it is to be in God's presence without music, without shouting, but you just turning your mind and your heart to Jesus. So let's just be quiet just for a minute and just focus your mind and your heart on Jesus. You know, it's all it takes sometimes to enter into the presence of God. It's just be still. His word says, be still and know that I am God. He is here this morning and he will be with you wherever you go tomorrow, wherever you go this evening, he will be with you. And so my challenge to us this week is that we practice the presence of God. I've heard Jenny talk before about Brother Lawrence. I've got his book and I'm still meaning to get into it because of busyness. But practice the presence of God. He's next to you in the car. He's next to you at your workstation. He's next to you as you go to sleep. He's waiting for you as you wake up. Practice the presence of God. Remember those five Ps and think about him. Now I'm going to pray for us and as I do, the band are going to come and join us and we're going to, we're going to worship God again. We're going to we're going to sing, which is just one part of worship. But as we do so, this, this song, ponder on these words. As we sing, think about these words. Think about what you want from God this morning because he is here. And you know what? You know what? Over 6,000, 8,000 years ago, whenever the world began, he knew you would be here this morning. And he knew he would be here this morning. And so there may well be something he wants to do with you, in you, for you, through you. So as we sing together in a moment, I want you to just perhaps surrender your heart to Jesus and say, I want to be in your presence more. 
I want more of you, God. I want to be in your presence more because in your presence is the fullness of joy. And in your presence, things change. In your presence, my life looks different. In my presence, I'm able to deal with the things that I couldn't deal with before. In your presence, everything looks different. So let's stand as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here today, that you will be there tomorrow, that you were with us yesterday. But right now, in this moment, you are here. And Lord, I pray for people here that they will not miss this moment to enter into your presence or to go deeper into your presence, for you are here. Lord, I pray that you would minister to us. I pray that in your presence, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. In your presence, you would fill our hearts with joy. For those that are sad this morning, Lord, would you fill us with joy? For those with doubt, Lord, would you fill us with faith? For those that don't know which way to turn, Lord, would you show us which way? But Lord, I pray that you would reach out to each and every one here this morning. That would leave this place in no doubt that they have been in the presence of God. And that we would love it so much we would chase after it tomorrow. So Lord, receive our worship. Receive our praise. We are here for you. Amen.